It's always cloudy in Cleveland. Brought to you in part by Roscoe Sports Twitter. We have all the hit news about Cleveland sports. Guest drinking Ed, aka Diesel Nut. Go get them, boys. Hey, thanks for that kind introduction, everybody. Welcome to the boys getting at you live after a Cleveland Browns win. How we doing, everybody? Dude, I feel good. I mean, I feel pretty good, all things considering. All things considering, unfortunately, our tribe did go down. Three zero got swept. You know, we'll, we'll touch base on that, but let's let's get to the lighter note. Let's get to the good news, the happy news. Our Cleveland Brownies. Join me, Breezy. Two, two, and one. Two, two, and one. All the single ladies. Two, two, and one. Okay. Here we go. So let's jump into it. I want to ask you this question the right way. Has Baker Mayfield thus far proven to you guys that he is the quarterback of the future for this team? I mean, I'm not going to lie, Junior. I've never seen a quarterback wear a Browns uniform that can make plays the way he does. The way he can maneuver the pocket, fit the balls in such a tight window. It's just a beautiful thing. For me, it's the throws that I've seen. You know, we've been going to these games throughout all the years of all these new teams coming around, all these quarterbacks, new coaching regimes, whatever. I've never seen a quarterback make the throws that this guy has created, these windows, these tight windows, Receivers aren't open. He's making them open. He's throwing just, these receivers it's open. It's absurd. And I've never seen that. And that's, for me, where the light's on. I'm like, okay, this dude is the real deal. And the biggest thing is adversity. So many times we get, you know, we're down in these ball games and we're like, great, we need two onside kicks, this and that. Baker keeps us in the game. But if we do get behind, even if we're pinned against our goal line like we were yesterday in overtime, Dude had no receivers on the field except for Juice. Higgins was out, and this dude marched us down the field with fucking willies. How about this? How about the first play on that drive? They try to run that reverse with Streeter. Like, what were if they thinking? If you guys look at the replay, I, I do want you to do one thing. Look at the replay. I seen it live. He literally would have been probably a 25-yard gain if he would have just read the block correctly. You're, he, you're saying if there wasn't four guys in the backfield to tackle for a nine-year loss? Literally box? look at the replay. There was one guy. Fair. But anyways. But Let's anyways. not lose sight of the question. Let's get negative Nancy's take here. No, I mean, I, I think he's definitely the quarterback of our future. I think there's two things that I recognize from a fan standpoint. Uh, I know we're all used to third and 10, third and 15, third and 18. We're, you know, we see it every multiple times every single game, but this is the first time where I've seen third and 10, and I actually expect us to convert it. It's just unbelievable because he makes throws, like you guys were saying, that we have never seen before. And the other thing that I just kind of noticed right off the bat, um, and the coaches talked about it, Hugh Jackson talked about it um, when he visited him in Oklahoma, was just his leadership and that swag that he had. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you saw it after we won the game when him and Landry just hugged each other. The team's bought in on Baker. The fans are bought in on Baker. We're all bought in on Baker. You love to see it. You really do. So let's stick with the offense. You know, we talked about Higgins. He looked really good in that first half. Hollywood. We talked about on the podcast. Higgins and Baker have always had a good chemistry from, you know, preseason leading up to this season. Obviously, always been a favorite receiver. You know what you're going to get from Juice. He's going to make plays. 
And Joku, he's he's getting there. You know, he, he needs to learn how to catch the ball. But our receiving corpse, like that second half, we were struggling moving the ball down the field. I mean, Baker can only do so much. So with that being said, not knowing how long Higgins is out, I think that's the other – I mean, our running game has been great. Yeah. You know, I think with Chubb and obviously Hyde leading the way, Duke Johnson's slowly getting integrated. And I think the line has panned out really well. I think things are looking really good. But I want to stick on these receivers – I know the Browns just brought in Rashard Matthews um, today being Monday, and we'll see if he's brought onto the roster. But what are your guys' thoughts about the receiver room and either the need to bring somebody in or do you think we're good status quo? Because right now I'm kind of scratching my head. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that we need to. I'm glad we brought him in. Um, we've had a lot of guys come in for visits that we've never signed. I'm really hoping this is the one that actually goes through because, in my opinion, Hollywood has been actually the number two receiver or the guy that I trust the most behind Landry because, 100%. because you know, Callaway, yes, he has the electricity, he has the juice, but he he's struggling to make those plays. He's dropping a lot of passes. I know he's had a lot of good plays, but at the same time, you need to have somebody else besides Landry that you can trust so I mean besides a few guys we might talk about later in the show the receiving core is the only thing that's making me a little bit nervous about this Browns team I actually was just wondering I was just thinking about this right now do you think there's any chance that they're going to start flexing out Duke Johnson maybe try to get some more touches set the valve yeah yeah. maybe sign a Devin Kajuste I don't know yeah I think they're going to get creative I mean Rod Streeters is the guy they brought in. I just don't think he's going to cut it. I think he's Hot like, Rod, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's been out of the league for some time, and it just really didn't make sense when we did bring him in. So, I mean, I think – I hope this Rashard Matthews thing pans out because I think even looking in the future, I mean, that's a sick guy you could just plug in and be like a I solid – I feel like he's reliable. Yeah, He's going to catch the receiver. football. I think a, a Baker receiver, dude. Put it in the oven, let it cook a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Let him eat. Let him eat. Let him eat. Okay, moving down to the defensive side of the ball. Outside of that Oakland game, I'm really loving this D, man. Top five, top five, top, top five. Top5.org backslash us backslash now. Backslash fuck Pittsburgh. True. Just want to throw that in there just because. Yeah. Um, let's start off with this kid, Denzel Ward. Number four pick in the draft from the Ohio State University. Each week, this kid continues to impress. Another interception, a blocked field goal. This dude literally took 10 points off the board. From in, the, in the first Ravens. half alone. Single-handedly, 10 points. I th- he gets, the interception on the two-yard line and then the blocked field goal. He gets my man of the match by far. Player of the game, game ball, whatever you want to call it. That Denzel yeah. Ward deserves it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And no that. one's talking about that. I mean, I know Baker brought us on that drive. You got Greg the leg making the big kick, which we'll get Nobody's to later. Nobody's giving Greg the game ball. Sticking with the secondary. Jabril Peppers was getting some heat from the hands. Honestly, it was his best game of his career. No doubt. I don't think anybody can uh, argue that. He was all over the fucking field on defense, for starters. And for returning sake, he did everything he needed to do. He, uh, I'm not going to give him the credit for the returning, but what I'm saying is no, a defensive player. It was a player, lot be- It was an improvement, yes. at least. And he had adversity this week. We all saw it. He kind of called out Cleveland fans, called them wishy-washy or whatever he wanted to call it. But he overcame what he said. You know, I don't think he actually he meant it. backed it up. Yeah, he backed it up. So, you know, you can call us the biggest pieces of shit fans if you play like that honestly I don't think I don't think anybody's gonna care I think the greatest thing about a guy like that is he's he's like listen I need to play better we need to play better and he did it quick shout out happy birthday to Jabril Peppers you know had a nice game on his birthday weekend let him eat and 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 it's Hollywood's birthday too or I think yesterday it was poor kid did you guys see them like the touchdown celebration after he scored oh that was a great I know me and Junior at the game so I don't know Junior did you see that on Twitter or anything 
when he walked down the runway. Yeah, that's probably one of the best celebrations I've ever seen the Browns yeah. do. Thought that was hilarious. It was cute. Um, so again, stick with the secondary. Jabril looked good. What about EJ Gaines? You know what? He stepped up in a big way. He looked like a lockdown corner for the majority of that football game. And one thing that you guys probably didn't see because they talked about it on at, on TV a lot is he was actually nursing an injury that entire game. They were a little bit worried that he wouldn't even make it through the first half, and man, did he hold it together. He yeah. was unbelievable. We saw him get banged up oh, on a did? couple okay. plays and kind of like walk over to, gingerly to the sideline. Yeah. Now, I was concerned Kerry going to have to go back there out of his comfort zone. but It just seemed like as a unit, like I said last week, you know, when they got thrown into the, the gauntlet, okay, you know, your boy – Mitchell goes down. Okay, shit, we got to figure this up on the fly. During the Oakland game, they got exposed. But a week of going under Greg Williams, you know, one on one, studying in the in the film well, the room and on the field. Yeah, they were able to the depth that we have at that position. Kudos to John Dorsey for bringing in all these guys, paying these guys. I mean, they didn't they didn't miss a step. Well, think about it. In years past, Joe Hayden goes down concussion. We were just screwed. We're right. getting yeah. absolutely burned from the corner. Next position. man up. It's something we've never seen before. You know what I mean? It's you've seen multiple multiple guys go down. Even uh, when Agba went down, um, what is it? Is it Chris Smith? The Chris basic, Smith yeah, and Chris, Avery. They've they held it down. I mean, I don't even see much of a difference when Agba's in there. To be honest with you. Yeah, and gosh, it just—it's so exciting talking about this defense. I mean, Randall playing safety, just being a ball hawk out there. I mean, it's so fun watching this dude live just sprint across the field, and he tries to make plays on every single ball, and it's the most beautiful thing. All right, I think it's safe to say we won the trade between Kaiser and Randall. Just throwing it out there. So what I don't understand though is. I'm never going to question the Packers. Like, as a Browns fan, I probably should never be able to question any team. But what were they thinking sticking him at corner? He came out of Arizona State as, as the top safety in the in the draft. And, man, does he look like one. Well, I think how that, great does that look? Like, how much of an improvement was it from him to, from Jabril Peppers from last year? Well, first of all, now Jabril can play in the proper position that he can thrive in. And now Randall can and also a lot do the of, same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's just playing in your right position, playing where your skill set. It's players playing to their yeah, strengths. Play to your skill set. Yeah, and then I think the defensive line looked really well. I mean, Garrett got after the quarterback, got his sacks. Ogan Joby, a couple tackles for loss. It's just the whole mentality of this team. Like, let's get this job done. And the crazy thing, too, is Baltimore was averaging like 30 points a game, and our defense held them to nine. So just an, another tough feat for the defense. You know, first week, contained Ben Roethlisberger, contained Drew Brees, made him look pedestrian. And then, again, just consistently going out there and performing – it's a beautiful thing. You'll love to see it. You really do. Obviously, we touched on defense, offense a little bit. We got to talk about special teams. Greg, the fucking leg. I mean, granted, the kid won the game for us, but that was an ugly kick. Being at the game, I actually didn't know if it went in. It was so low. So we're in the dog pound. We're in row 11, so we're pretty even with the field. And it was so low. I'm like, shit. And I was so pissed. And then I just see everyone cheering. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I think the arm, I think the, the ref's arms went up. I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. And then it was good. And I was just so confused. We didn't even actually see the kick on replay until I like, dive bar until <laughs> I went down there. Like trying to watch the replay. But, and, and then he misses the kick in regulation. I was going to say, you're not even talking about the 55 yards. So that was 55 yards. He missed it by didn't have a chance. He missed it by 55 yards. That, that, that's not a gimme for any kicker in the NFL, especially Bro, where the he, kickers are going this He missed it by 20 right, yards. I'm not, I'm not trying to stick up for him in general. I'm just and sticking up for And his chip shot this. was ugly. I mean, that – gosh, man, that kick – He's not, a 69% okay, – 
I'm not saying the guy's a good kicker. I'm saying I'm not going to knock a rookie kicker trying to do his first game-winning field goal at 55 yards when half the NFL is not bad at a kick. But I am going to knock him because I've talked about it on past episodes. This dude's kicks, look they look awful. They just look gross. You hold your breath every single time. What did we see, though? You know what I'm saying? We had other guys come in. It wasn't like he was the only guy. What did he, like, Dorsey look and go, oh, that's that's the kick I want to see. Actually, real quick, I want to give a shout-out to my buddy. He's going to rename Anonymous for obvious reasons, but he actually was... Obvious reasons. He was a kicker in college, and he actually got to go check out some of these kicking camps, some of these combines, and Greg the Leg was actually at one or two of the same combines he was at, and my buddy was telling me how he couldn't believe that this guy's even getting looked at by the NFL. He thinks it's just because he kicked at a D1 school and he can perform when it comes to kicking in shorts and a Being T-shirt. Being in the right place at the right time. But when you put on the pads, he just he doesn't think he has it. And, you know, I'm starting to agree with him. I've seen it with my own two eyes two weeks in a row. Yeah, and the thing is, if we had Justin Tucker, if we had, you know, Giskowski or Hoshka, you know, Gano, Hoshka, Vinatieri, the likes of Phil Dawson, I mean, you could argue that we don't have any losses right now. Or ties, for that matter. So, the thing is, Dorsey, you better pay somebody big money and bring in a kicker next year because, I mean, right now it's really coming down to special teams. But that's the thing, though. Like, you're going to pry a kicker away from a team just by throwing a crap load of money? Hopefully we're going to be as good contenders as we think because that's the only way we're pulling away the likes of a Dan Bailey from Minnesota or something like that. You got to get creative. I don't know. You got to figure know. it out. That's, that's Maybe you have some, some open tributes at the stadium. Kickers don't grow on trees. That's the issue. It's finding a needle in a haystack, and hopefully we can figure that out. So, Matty Ice, here we sit, 2-2-1. Two, two and one. You know, last week you were singing the tune of, I give them next year. We're, we're not going to be in it this year. We're not going to – we don't have a chance. You actually said we don't have a chance of being in the playoffs. We just beat arguably the best team in our division. Are you still singing and dancing the same fucking song from last week, or do you think that this team, with this defense and this highly motivated quarterback – who's playing very well in tough situations, do you think that the, these guys can compete for a playoff berth? I mean, do I was I being dramatic last week? Of course, that's my middle fucking name, Maddie. Ma- Maddie, Maddie drama fucking ice. drama ice. <laughs> um, no, but I, I will say I was I was incorrect. I mean, I do think the team is definitely going to contend. Whoa, I don't, time out, time out. Time out. Let's rewind that. What did you say? I was incorrect. Let's go! No, I mean – do I think they're going to make the playoffs? I don't think either one of you believe we're actually going to like. You'd put the money that you'd we make no, the playoffs. No, no, I'm not but, putting money down. No, I'm I, that's saying, what I'm saying. I, I admit I do think we we are competing. We have a chance. We're contending. We chance. Um, I was wrong. I was a prisoner of the moment, uh, which is hey, my secondary middle name, dramatic hyphen prisoner of the moment ice. But no, I, yeah, no, I, I I'm wrong. I'm wrong. No, but to be fair, I mean you did. You did say the Browns had a chance because the Ravens were overlooking us to go fight for that wild card spot because they're looking at the Which they are. <laughs> How's that working hey, out for them? They hey, are fighting for the wild card. We're all fighting for that WC, man. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about this wild card, man. Cleveland Browns. Heard it here first. All right. Well, hey, listen. 2-2-1. Two, two and one. We're right in the thick of things. As we kept saying, the AFC is wide open, boys. So, of course, we saw a lot of good things on the field. Let's talk about some of the stories on the sidelines in the stadium. Breezy, me and you, we go to every game. We right. got we got a third a third mate with us. Young Dave. Young Dave. YD for short. YD for short. We were tailgating in the Muni lot. Shit got a little weird. Got a little weird. And just a preference, like I, I got to the Muni a little bit late. 
met up with Breezy. Breezy was like, you know, he he wasn't tipsy. He was just kind of like good old Breezy, you chilling. know, chilling like a villain. And YD was a little tipsy, dude. Like I could tell he was like shotgunning beers, like just kind of had that look in his eyes, like oh shit. He had the craziest look in his eyes. He and actually at one point said, "Let's get it on." <laughs> so when we're walking out of the Muni lot, he just looks at this one Ravens fan, and he just <laughs> points at him and says, "Hey, dumb dick." And so that was just kind of the mood that YD was in. Like he was calling out Ravens fans, kind of talking shit. He's being one of those guys, and the only reason he would, I don't even want to. I don't even want to dog my boy YD, but you know he was talking shit because he's with Breezy, who mentioned six foot five, very sexy, very sexy, very and will lay lay the one knee to anybody who tries to start shit. But now, young Dave, he's a tough ass too. But you know he had his liquid courage and he had his breezy, you know he had his breezy in his back pocket, so that's why he was talking shit. Anyhow, so I just wanted to preface: he was a little drunk when we went to the game. And then, yeah, he, he tells us he has to pee probably, what, end of the quarter? Literally, probably about the end of the first quarter. He's like, yo, I got to piss. Didn't think anything of it, you know? So he goes to piss, and Young Junior's like, yo, Breezy, I need a Pepsi. I'm YJ, getting- YJ, Young Junior. YJ said, yo, I need a Pepsi. Little does he know he's going to get an RC Cola. Yeah, Zach Morris timeout. So they don't sell Pepsi or Coke at the Browns games anymore. It's RC Cola. I never knew that. Yeah, they just started doing it this year, so you hate. We got to cut down on costs. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, we're well, gonna, we're actually going like to start the movement. We're starting the movement. Bring Pepsi back to First Energy Stadium. Start it. You heard it Start here. Start it. Heard it from Always Cloudy and Cleveland podcast first. Anyways, back so, to the so story. So I go to get this pop. I get back, and I thought Dave would already be at the seats. I'm like, huh? I wonder what he's doing. Maybe bumped into somebody. I don't know. Second quarter goes on. Me and Junior getting into the game, watching what's going on. It's a beautiful thing. A few minutes pass by. Two-minute warning comes up. Me and Junior look at each other. Dave's been gone for 45 minutes. Where the hell is Dave? <laughs> Where's Dave? So I'm getting really concerned at this point. I'm like, is he lost? Is he okay? I'm like, I got to call him. So I go to call Dave. Phone, phone isn't even ringing. I go to text him. I messages aren't going through. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Dave's phone is dead. We don't know where he's at. We lost Dave. Dave is lost. And so we're, we all automatically think the worst. One, did he get kidnapped? Two, did he get kicked out of the game? Three, is he passed out in the pisser? We don't know. Four, did he pass out in the pisser, then get kicked out of the game, and in the same process, also get, get kidnapped. kidnapped? All three in one <laughs> scenario. All possible scenarios. All right, so let's fast forward. He never comes back. End of the game. We're freaking out. Go to dive bar. Wait, first of all, wait a second. He never came <laughs> back. Out. Dave never That's came the back. Whole point. Oh we lost After Dave, and he didn't quarter. come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, or, nor did we hear from him. I, I literally I texted his sister. I'm like, yo, where's Dave? Have you seen Dave? And she's like, no, I, I thought he was with you guys. Did he not go to game with you? And so I filled her in on what was going on. I'm like, can you just, like, check in with your parents, make sure he's all right? And she's like, yeah, they, no one's heard anything from him. So at this point, I'm trying to enjoy yeah, this wonderful to, like, Browns game. his family or parents soon, but, right. like, yeah, like, this kid's gone. Like, start calling, like, the, <laughs> yeah. Amber the alert? search squad. Yeah, Amber Alert. Amber Alert for a 23-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dude. so fast forward to what time of the day do we want? Are we calling him out for – uh, in front of no, we're not going to call him out for that. We're not going to call him out. Not going to call him out. But anyway, so it's probably it gets to we're back at juniors. I'm chilling. We're watching some. What time is this? Dancing with the stars. Juniors. A- Dancing P- with the stars. Juniors slash bar rescue. What like eight p.m. Slash Shark Tank. Slash probably shit got weird. Shit got weird. So that's circa nine nine thirty ten o'clock. Yeah. 
give or take hour, hour 45. Talk to Dave's sister. And she's like, yeah, Dave made it back to my parents' house. He's just been sleeping all day. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Why didn't he have the audacity to text me? And we found out that me? he made it back to his parents' house while the game was still going. <laughs> like, yeah. I, well, some, he, his phone was dead, but somehow he managed to find his way back to his house. So, so moral props of the to story. Him. Yeah, props to him. Moral of the story. Moral of the story is I, I finally got a hold of Dave this morning. And he was texting me. I'm like, dude, what the fuck happened? I was like worried sick over you. How do you get home without a phone nowadays? We still don't know all the fine details, but we do know what happened. Allegedly. So, allegedly. So, allegedly, Dave decides he has to go piss. This is a fact. He had to go piss. He walks up there. Apparently, he pisses. Then when he claims, quote, and I will quote Dave directly on this, he said he walked to a tunnel and all of a sudden, he was outside of the stadium. <laughs> so, so we don't know how this happened or what happened. We but he was, he was so, so drunk up that he just walked out of the bathroom and saw a light and started walking towards it. And it was the exit, I, was not the, the exit tunnel stadium. to get back in the stadium. Then he told me he tried to talk to the to the West people. You know, the security yeah. guys out to get in, but his phone's dead, so he can't get a hold of us. Like he yeah, doesn't, have a, doesn't have a ticket. He doesn't have a ticket because we use our mobile phone. entry. I right. mean, this is realistic, honestly. And he got kicked out of the yeah. game. So the dead phone. He saw 10 minutes of the first quarter, and then he got kicked out of the game <laughs> because he's a fucking idiot, dude. God, we're going to have we're gonna have to bring him on the pod so we can justify Great himself story. on this Yeah, one. we're going to have to do a, a web redemption with Dave next week with the Chargers, <laughs> and we'll bring him on here. Hopefully, we'll get Gary the possum guy on here as well. Greg. Wait, so Gary? Gary. Gary. He's just the possum Greg guy. the leg? Gary we're, the possum but guy. But, hey, real quick, quick. Let's get a quick shout out to the possum guy. Oh yeah, you didn't know this. So if you weren't at the game, uh, they always do like Bernie Kosar will do it. Andy Baskin did it one time. Like they but get they'll Cleveland All Star. Like, they'll get Cleveland All Stars to come into like the dog pound, and hold up the flag, and say, "Here, here we, we go, go, Brown," to get the whole crowd to chant. And they brought Gary the possum guy to do first it. quarter. First quarter, Gary. They the gave him a shout out. Up. He gets a standing ovation, and then you just got him wearing <laughs> the same exact outfit <laughs> he wore. He probably didn't shower. There's no doubt about they, it. They no introduced doubt. him as the rally possum guy, which yeah. is hilarious. Well, did you see the Browns actually tweeted out a picture of a possum leaving the stadium before the game actually started? <laughs> Dude, where, where are these possums coming from? Why is there a possum problem? I've lived in downtown stuff? Cleveland for three years, and not once have I ever seen a possum. I, I know there, there are possums in Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah, I've seen them dead on the side of the road. Actually, like in that's the a lie. Somebody once said they saw a possum in the street in Tremont when I lived there. No, I didn't. I thought it was a cockamouse. Oh no, I, I was with you when we saw. It. Someone's like, "It's a possum." I'm like, what? There's no possums in Ohio. Jadi, that was Jadi. It was Jadi. Shout out to uh, episode one special guest Jadi. And uh, with that being said, heard they called Ace Ventura and he's looking into it. So we're gonna take a break. Go to a quick segment here. Uh, later in the podcast, we're going to talk and break down uh, the Chargers coming up next week, break down some of those matchups, and always give you our predictions for that game. But, fellas, we said we were going to talk about Halloween, keep the theme going. Last week, we discussed some of our scary movies. We just went to uh, Circle K, got some Polar Pops, some candies. Let's talk about our favorite Halloween candies, gentlemen. Uh, Breezy, I'll, I'll start with you. I always start with you. I don't know why, but... Let me know a fat what, joke? Maybe it's because I'm the most beautiful one here. <laughs> on the inside and out, for that matter. But if we're talking favorite candies, there's one specific candy I have in mind, and that's my Kit Kat. Love yeah. me some Kit Kat. I'm a dude. break, dude. It's a big Halloween one, too. Like I feel like when I think of Kit Kat, I think of Halloween. I don't think yeah. of something. Like when you go to the um, you know, go to the gas station, I don't just say, oh, I want a Kit Kat bar. But you know for well, when I'm looking in my pumpkin 
you know, like the basket that we get from Halloween. I'm going to have a ton of Kit Kat bars. Yeah, that's the thing, though. I hope they don't give me like those little shitty Kit Kats that only have like one bar. I like the double bar. You know what I'm talking about? They got like little single serving ones. I have a question. When you have the little ones, do you eat both at the same time or do you break it in half? The small ones. You know how they're connected? Do you eat eat both at the same time? One bite. Everyone knows the rules. Wow. Okay. Okay. So we got Kit Kats. We got... Peanut M and M's. No. Na na na. Ice. You like the peanut M and M's? I like the regular M and M's. I mean, I, I don't dislike the regular M and M's. I just love the peanut M and M's. Okay. Okay. I mean, M and M's are good in general. Yeah, I'm more of like a. I'm thinking more of the fruity kind. You know, I like personally my favorite candy of all time is Sour Patch Kids. I don't. I don't know if those would be my favorite. Um, Halloween because not many people have like the mini Sour Patch because when you think of Sour Patch you think of the big boys and then the thing about college I remember when I used to have Sour Patch Kids I would literally eat them till my tongue was raw have you guys done that or am I the only yeah, one so why are you getting so happy about this <laughs> that sounds gross because I get so excited about Sour Patch Kids um, another thing but this is probably more of Halloween candy is I just like the mini Hershey's you know oh, yeah. I'm a big chocolate guy big chocolate Huge guy. chocolate guy yeah you know, if you just get in, and there was this one rich guy that used to live in Independence, and he would hand out these, R.I.P. these R.I.P. one pound chocolate bars, and all the kids would Wait, go there. Ice, what'd you have to do to get those one pound chocolate bars? Let me tell you about this guy. I can't tell that. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm going to go with Hershey's, is going to be my favorite Halloween candy, but my favorite all time candy is Sour Patch Kids. You kind of sound like a basic bitch picking just the Hershey's, just like that. You pick. Kit Kat bars, what are you talking about? Yeah, I got some wafers between. You just got milk chocolate, bro. That's all That's I why need. I for the Hershey Kisses. That's all I need. Jude, right. what are you thinking? Where do you stand on this? Listen, so I open up the young pillowcase. I pour, right. the, I pour the candy. Wait, time out. Who used the little pumpkin thing? Are we fucking three years old? Well, we didn't talk about what age we were talking. I pull out the pillowcase. I pour the candy on the floor. I start sorting the candy. So I look for the rare... 100 gram bars in the little red packages. Love those. There's a reason they're rare. Yeah, very rare. Love me some baby roofs, some Snickers. That's facts. Some Twix. That's facts. I like the crunchy caramel chocolate. Yes. Yeah, that's me. So I got those in one pile. I got some sweets. I got the Skittles. I got the Tootsie Pops, but the flavored Tootsie Rolls. Not Pops. The Tootsie Rolls, the flavored ones. What about the Mike and Ike's? You like Mike and Ike's? Like me some Mike and Ike's. So that's in the sweet pile. And then everything else goes to the fucking side. You forgot one. Oh, actually, I do. Milky like... Ways. No. What? Or How not? do you not like Milky Ways? Because it's just you bite into it and it's just, there's no, I, I said I like the crunch, the caramel. Yeah, there's, there's zero no, crunch in the Milky It's cream. It's like It's cream. hard chocolate with soft shit in the inside. <laughs> That's nah, what she said. I like the hard shit. That's actually what she said. Um... And then I did miss one. I was a big payday guy growing up, but that's oh, like, payday was the worst. I dude, thought. You know what they're doing these days? I'm, what? They got these little mini bags. Like they got the gummy bears. They got the sour gummy worms too. Like candy's come a long way. I used to only be able. To, Diesel, what the fuck are you looking at me weird for? <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. Diesel, do you have any? Yeah. Wait before before Diesel not gets on, aka drinking Ed. I forgot Warheads. Oh, that, that's a shot and a half. <sighs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, drinking that. No, yeah, I, I'm a classic guy. I like Snickers. He's a classic man. I like Snickers and I like Hershey's. Just those. So basically, if Ice and Junior had a baby, they'd. Come I don't out understand. With I say this and I get torn apart. Diesel Nut over here says something and it's like, yeah, good idea. Yeah, but he, but said, he led with Snickers. To though. be fair, we make fun of Diesel Nut enough, so I just. True. You don't provide the equipment. 
Oh, that's what she said babe. too. I have no comeback. The producer, the producer of the show, ladies and gentlemen, Diesel Nut, aka Drinking Guy. All right. So what about? So I mentioned we sort stuff in the pile. We push things off to the side. What are some of the weirdest or nastiest either? Hey, hold up. Let me chime in here. Uh, you guys didn't mention Twizzlers. You didn't mention Milk Does, or my favorite, Good and Plenty's. What's your thoughts on those? Well, first of all. You said good and plenty, bro. Yeah, those are just disgusting. Anytime I hear good and plenty. That actually goes in my disgusting. Like, that was like, here, Dad, you could have these. <laughs> that goes straight to the trash can in my house. So, actually, I, I didn't like good and plenties. Twizzlers like, are dope, dog. I can mess around It's with overkill, though. Like, the things in the, all right, yeah, that's, that's, overkill that's in the candy bag. Twizzlers. Regular Tootsie Rolls. Regular Hershey bars. Her- Hershey bars. Unbelievable. And anything that Ice likes. True. So true. But speaking of which, you guys ever get any like stuff in your bag that makes you be like, what the hell is this? This is Halloween. Why are you handing this out? Yeah. All yeah. the time. Like, give me some specifics here. What are we talking? So there was like, you know, you go to certain houses, and you know, the dentist lives yeah. there. Oh, like, my teacher, gosh. So the teacher would give you like a pencil or something. I avoid those houses. Do the dentist... Me and my buddies would go there, and he'd always get, like, a tooth uh, brush and toothpaste. And I remember every year we'd take the toothpaste, go in the street, and jump on it, and just see who could squirt the furthest. <laughs> it was it was so cool. That's awesome. I actually kind of want to do it right now, but we'll figure it out later. Hey, Diesel, you got some toothpaste we could borrow? Good talk. Um, and then this one time, so we had this uh, kind of weird family a couple doors down. Wasn't really supposed to go there. But uh, <laughs> we went there, knocked on the door, trick-or-treat. And they gave us like a cracked egg, so they tried to be like festive, but it was like a cra- like an actual egg, cracked with like loose M and M's in it. Ew. So they like just handed it to you, and it's just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, I, I'm not eating these eggs floating in like old egg yolk. Like they're cl- they were just clearly trying weird. to kill you. They yeah, did so not that like was you. like probably the weirdest, creepiest thing. And then the toothpaste was probably just the worst thing for any kid. Like. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not I'm just going to jump on it in the street. I mean, we're not we're missing one of the ones that I feel like not a lot of people like candy corn. Don't you get you guys ever get little I packs mean, of candy that's corn? Like, that's I the, hate a candy corn. Yeah, no, who likes candy that's corn? That's weird. My dad. Some, some my people dad. love candy taste, corn, but it's the texture. Some people my dad love candy loves corn. candy corn. Yeah, I hate the, the it's, it's one of those things you either hate it or you love it. Yeah. Like it's like caught in your teeth and stuff like that and that you was feel like, like when I was a kid. And gross. When I was a kid, I didn't like really know what time of year it was or like what holidays were in order when you're just like real young and then you see like your mom put out like the Decorations. The first thing she puts out is the candy corn. And it, like, it just stays there the entire. Yeah, yeah oh, like, no. nobody touches. All your friends are like, "Hey, you guys want some candy corn?" Like, no, I'm gonna go get some Doritos. Hey, hey candy corn. I'll be all right. <laughs> hey, candy corn. How coat. about how about um bottle caps? So there were some no, really good flavors move, and yeah. some terrible flavors, and I could never. Every Halloween would come around, and I can never remember which one I hated and which. So I just eat them all. Drinking. Root beer was the worst. Yeah, root beer was not good. Root beer was the best. I'm gonna agree with. I'm gonna go with the diesel nut on this I, one. I like the orange soda. I like Teres. Uh I I also forgot a candy, and it's just because I really don't see these that much anymore. Probably just because I don't eat candy. Airheads. You don't like airheads? No, I do like them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, wow. Yeah, those were fun to just chomp on. Well, actually, too. speaking of air airheads, that reminds me of I don't know what the hell to call it. An item that I got in my trick or treat bag that I do not like. It's called fruit leather. You guys ever heard of fruit leather or seen it or tasted it? No, Breezy, enlighten us. 
It's essentially like an airhead, except it's made out of like natural fruit. It's oh. just mashed up natural fruit. Dude, they used to give those out at our school, Dude, like for lunch. It's just the most it like a like a it's brown a chewy bar. Like, yeah, it looks like yeah. an airhead, but it's exactly. brown. oh yeah, yeah. oh Dude, god, it was terrible. I, it's, it's just I'm not gonna lie. It's the gro- no, at lunch, I used to be hungry at school, and they don't my lunch days, dude. I used to fuck with us. No, oh, dude. Yeah, dude. Dude, those are the grossest hungry, things. So I'm just trying to get myself a Kit Kat. Here I go. I'm getting some fucking fruit leather. Yeah. All right. Well, let's stop, stop talking about candy. I feel like we went on for a while, and my teeth are starting to rot just thinking about it. But appreciate the uh, insights, boys, and to all you trick or treaters out there. Hope you have a safe, wonderful Halloween. Uh, look forward to next week's segment. Uh, on the Halloween topic. And next up, we're going to talk a little bit about your Cleveland Cavaliers featuring Drinking Ed, a.k.a. Diesel Nut, baby. All right, Diesel, want to thank, thank you again for sitting down with us for this segment. So obviously we got the preseason with the Cleveland Cavs starting out right now. Got a couple games under our belt. Um, new look Cavs, LeBronless Cavs, Kevin Love-led Cavs. Team basketball, Cavs. Young Bull-looking-ass Cavs. David Nawaba-looking-ass Cavs. Chetty Osman. The list goes on and on, baby. It goes on and on. So, it's just the preseason. I mean, we're a couple weeks away from the start of the season, so we definitely want to start the hype a little bit. Before our first game, we'll really break it down for everybody. Um, but let's talk about, you know, what I like to think of our core going into this year, the, the, the players you're looking forward to. I think we can all agree – before this, you know, we're looking forward to Sexton, Kevin Love, obviously, and then I think this is the year of Chetty. Drinking, would you agree? Is this the year of Chetty? Uh, I wholeheartedly agree that Jetty's this is his is year. Is it Chetty or Jetty? It's Jetty. 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 It's okay. Jetty. Yes. Young Jedi. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So my question to you is, you know, he definitely got some exposure last year. What do you think is the realistic leap for Jetty? From last year going to this year, what are realistic expectations for him? Are we talking numbers wise, or are we talking? I'm talking. About- I, I want to. I want to know both. I want to know what his role is going to be realistically, how you expect him to perform, and you could back that up with maybe what some st- what a stat line would look like. Uh, so I know from practices, uh, Jetty is looking to be a playmaker. He's going to have the ball in his hands quite a lot. Um, he's going to be making, you know, pocket passes. He's going to be cutting. He's going to be driving to the hole. He's hitting these step back three pointers that he had not take taken all of last year. Uh, Kyle Corver's worked with him a lot on that jumper. Uh, if you can look closely at his form, you can tell it's just made a world of difference. Really, uh, it's just on the quick trigger. Mm-hmm. He, this this kid is doing uh, some very very uh, ballsy shots. Like it'll be early in the shot clock, he'll take a couple of dribbles, a little step back, shoot a three, and 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 hit it. Um, his three points percentage hasn't been the greatest in the preseason, but in Turkey, if you watch some of those national games, he's really good. Um, and he's been a playmaker his entire life. We didn't see it last year because obviously didn't get too much playing time. You have LeBron James who has the ball half of freaking right. uh, the the game. Uh, but honestly, uh, what he's said in interviews is that you know watching LeBron closely and stuff like that, he's trying to emulate his game a little bit. So he wants to get out on the break. He wants to make those passes. He wants to shoot the ball well, and he wants to play good defense. And I love that you brought that insight that he's working with Corver, really working on that three. That was something I was very skeptical of him his rookie year, and it's good to know. You know, we're all questioning why is Corver on this team? Why haven't we traded him yet? But I think it's to really 
teach the Chetties, the Colin Sexton, how to shoot the ball. So that's good to hear. And then emulating his game with LeBron, you mentioned, um, we saw in the summer practices, all the players, you know, they hang out, they post on Instagram, hey, we had a workout today. We all saw that funny picture in the summer of Chetty with LeBron, I think Durant. Like Kevin Durant, Kawhi yeah. Leonard. So it's yep. just ha- like, you know, this kid's working his it's tail first team off. NBA in the main. So I'm very excited. But so you, you mentioned a little bit what he's working on, what we can kind of look forward to. What does that role look like, though? Is it a guy, like the first man off the bench? Is he a role player? Is he going to be starting? Where do you think? Has Ty Lue even hinted? Do we think he's going to be starting? Or Jetty is for sure a starter. He's going to be starting at that small forward position. Wow. Yes. Um. And and he's going to be an integral integral piece of that in that lineup. I think right now he's going to play the glue guy, but. He's going to bring more to the table than a glue guy usually does. Like, he's going to have the capability to be your second lead scorer some nights. He's going to be your top assist getter another night. He's going to, you know, crash the boards. They're going to be gang rebounding a lot this year uh, just because uh, they're playing a completely different style this year. They're, Teron Lou is, in, you know, installing the system where the, the bigs, they're grabbing the ball off of, off of defensive rebounds and then going. So guys like Kevin and Larry Nance, they're getting that defensive rebound either off of a miss or off of a stop, whatever it is, and they're the ones pushing. So they're like bringing the ball up. They are bringing the ball up. They are bringing the ball up. And uh, Jetty will be doing the same thing because he's still in that front court. Obviously, Kevin and Larry are going to get the majority of the rebounds, but Jetty has crashed the glass really well in the preseason already so far. Uh, If he's the guy that is getting the rebound off of that, he's going to grab, he's going to push, and then he's going to find that guy down in transition. He had an amazing uh, full-court pass uh, uh, on this past Saturday against the Celtics uh, when he went and got a rebound and then found somebody who was streaking down. Uh, for an easy layup. I can't remember who it yeah. was. But. And, I mean, all these things you're saying, like, for the fan who's like, oh, LeBron's gone, we can't watch. I, these, these are the exciting things to look yes. forward to. With LeBron on our team, we really never played team ball. We never really played high tempo, fast pace. I mean, it's just going to be so exciting to see what it, it – I mean, I think that you look at the Indiana Pacers in the playoffs last year. Like, that's something that I want to emulate, being able to get all these guys involved, get different looks – and really spread the ball around. And I think if we can try to emulate that with the different pieces and parts we have, um, especially Chetty moving into that small forward role, I think that's something for all the listeners and all the Cav fans to be excited about and to see how this kind of plays out as something to look forward to. Um, so what, what's that stat line maybe look like for him? For Jetty, I, you know, I see him being an 11, 12-point-per-game guy. Uh, I, I see him, you know, probably about four assists a game and, and probably about four rebounds a game. Uh, I think that's a fair – a uh, jump for for Jetty this year. I think that's that's a very fair especially jump, on honestly. a team more of a team ball team. This the stats are probably stats. Excuse me, are probably going to be more spread out evenly. You're going to see probably numerous guys kind of in that type of those range. Th- those box scores are going to be very very spread in the scoring. Um, you're going to see four, five, six guys some nights uh, in double figures. Uh, they're going to share the wealth, like you said. Uh, in order to you know try to replace a guy like LeBron, it's obviously impossible. But in in order to try and kind of fill that void, you got to do it collectively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think that's, they all understand it. So far, they've bought in. Uh, the, the game against the Pacers uh, on um, Monday night, it, it wasn't so pretty. Uh, they still showed fight, uh, but that was your first glimpse of them looking a little bit off. But at the same time, there were four, you know, four guys missing from the, the lineup. But True. Uh, they tried out uh, Colin Sexton and George Hill next to each other. Colin was playing off ball a little bit. Uh, 
I don't know at what point we're going to get to with with uh, the George Hill Colin Sexton debate. It's almost like Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield right. kind of a little. Um, so so we'll pay attention to that storyline. I but. think that's fascinating. But the thing that I'm looking most forward to is this player specifically is Rodney Hood, and I think you know with Sexton and Hill, that's obvious. Like it's who's going to be our point guard. Like you know what? But I look at the number two. I look at the shooting guard. And there's so many different guys we brought in, so many guys on the roster. There's so so much depth there. And I think I, – I, I hope that it's Hood. I really want to see him take that next step, get back to his Utah numbers, you know, be that leading-type scorer on a team next to K-Lov, obviously, um, and some of these younger players like Sexton, see what Chetty could do. But what are your thoughts on Rodney Hood starting in that two-role? Is that something that's going to go back to JR? Um, is Hill, Sexton going to start along each other? How do you see that dynamic playing out? So uh, it's not set in stone or anything like that, but uh, Teron Lewis already made clear that he wants Rodney Hood to be his secondary leading scorer. Uh, to, to Kevin Love, Love obviously. Love that. Um, so I'm going to assume that Rodney Hood is is firm in that place at, at the uh, two spot. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. and, and I'll tell you what, uh, I, I do like the, the potential there. Uh, last year, what a lot of people don't understand about playing with LeBron James is nobody gets it right away. Nobody gets it right away. These guys that came up. Some people get it ever. I think it's just kind of like, hey, I'm going to let this guy do his thing, and when I get the ball, I better make it. These these guys come in. You look at Larry Nance, George Hill, Rodney Hood, and Jordan Clarkson. Okay, they came in, and obviously the first couple games were outstanding, and then the All Star break hit, and then things imploded. But playing with LeBron is not easy because you don't know what your usage is going to be every night. Where there's a system now. And Rodney is going to know when his looks are going to come and that he's going to be more comfortable. He's not going to be stuck in a corner watching LeBron drive the, drive the ball every single time down the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be able to get those open looks on the perimeter because there's going to be a ton of cutting, a ton of motion. Uh, I, I think Rodney's going to have a big year. I really do. And drinking, that's what excites me, actually. As a basketball fan in general, I just love over the game. I love when there's a free-flowing offense, when people are moving, they're cutting, the ball's moving. Last year, well, the past couple years with LeBron, I mean, don't take this the wrong way. Of course, I'm thankful for LeBron, and he brought us a championship, and it's one of the greatest days of my life. But Breezy, I'm going to agree with you because I already know what you're about to say. What am I going to say? You're going to say it was great watching LeBron here because of his excellence, but the style of play, just iso ball, it's just tough to watch. It's like it's not the game of basketball. It's so much more enjoyable to watch different guys get involved, different people spread the love of the ball. Exactly. And with LeBron, it's just always creating his own plays. But was I right? Is that what you were going to say? You're actually spot on. I just Everyone's going to touch the ball. Everyone's going to score. We're just the same person sometimes. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And, and you guys are going to love the comment that Tristan Thompson had. Uh, he says that they want to be like the Boston Celtics. That is the type of style they want to you know, you know what? Kind of duplicate. And I think we can because you know what? We just got a whole lot younger. We got a whole lot more athletic. And we got people who are going to be willing to play defense and make those hustle plays and do everything like the Celtics do. Seems like Double T has a lot to say. What else did Double T say about uh, the Cavs heading into this season? Uh, he's certainly not bashful. Let's just say that. Um, he basically said that everyone else can shove it and they're still the, the, the standard bearer. They're still the ones they have to get through in the Eastern Conference, still which got, he's still got a dethrone the Cavs. Off. Yeah, but you know what? You got to kind of like you know, that confidence. I, I, I like personally it. I love like it. it. Let's be honest. It's a bit absurd what he's saying, but you got to love how f- the passion in him, how he's talking up his guys, giving everyone excited. The whole city of Cleveland can get behind him. You know what I mean? And if I could on Tristan, just real quick, 
Um, I do love what I've seen from him in the preseason. He has looked every bit as athletic as he did when we signed him to that long deal. Uh, he's obviously dealt with injuries the last year, which is the first time he's ever done it because he was an Ironman beforehand. But he looks completely rejuvenated. He's, you know, he's working on his ball handling. He's playing defense, and he's running the floor really well. And, and I'll tell you what, he looks spry. He's jumping really well, and he's cl- crashing that glass. It's that Kardashian juice, man. That's what it will do to you. All right. Drinking, again, love the insights. Love the, um, you know, the feedback. A couple quick hits for you, just quick hits. Is J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver going to be on our team by the all- after the All-Star break? I'm going to go ahead and say one of them will be, and I think it will be J.R. Smith on this team. Real quick, two players to look forward to that many people might be sleeping on or not even aware of. David Nawaba, for one, okay. uh, a very athletic guard, two-way guard, uh, extremely, extremely overlooked, uh, started his career in the G League, found himself on the map with the Lakers at the very end of the season two years ago, mm-hmm. and then started to over 20 games for the Bulls last year. Typical Cleveland guy, basically. That a guy put, who's just going to bring his – That bring put his, back dunk he almost had the other day. Or, uh, did he have it or did he miss he, it? He was close. He was close. That he, looked he, nasty. He had 12 points in his lone preseason game. He's had to sit down the last couple because of a, a groin injury. But uh, he's you're going to like him. He, a Cleveland type of mentality, a guy that just comes in, does his work, and gets out. And, and who who else are we looking at? Oh, man, there's there's a lot of talent. Give me one. On I just team. want one, one other guy outside of Nwaba. Ooh, man. Are we talking about like a fringe guy? Or are we talking about a starter? I, I'm, I was hoping you were going to say this guy, so I'm just going to throw this name and give me a quick little burp. Go ahead. Sam Decker. Sam Decker, yes. Is, does he fit, or is he just kind of Absolutely. another guy? Absolutely. And uh, in this type of NBA, when it's very positionless, I think that Sam has the perfect size. Uh, he's in constant motion. If you watch the game against the Pacers on the baseline, and he was making so many back cuts, Kyle Korver got asked about that. He and, knows and, how to and, move the ball, too. He's and, got some pretty cool passes in his repertoire. He does. And, and, and people around here know Big Ten basketball. They know who Sam Decker is. And, and, and we know he's a lot better of a shooter than he's shown in the NBA. But I'll tell you what, he's going to get an opportunity here. I think he's going to get at least 20 minutes a game here, no lie. Wow. Um, and Is that at the three or the four? Or at the, the four the... spot. Okay. At the four spot. And so uh, they're going to play, play small ball. Small ball. Yeah. Oh, I they're like playing that. small ball I'm, all day. I'm looking forward to that, actually. We have a lot of guys we can plug and play in that small ball mentality. There's a lot of versatility with this like, Cavs you, team. You can theoretically play Hood at the three, too, correct? Or? I was going to say, they are going to play three guard sets and two forwards if they want to. Okay. I'm telling you right now. And with that said, who has a better year, Nwaba or Decker, if you had to guess? Sam Decker. Wow. wow. I was going to think Nwaba because that's your boy. That is but my I boy. But I think there's less. I mean, I think he's probably going to have – I think Decker's going to have a little bit more room to get out there, really prove it, where I think Nwaba's going to be caught up with a lot of that depth. And before you said that, now that I'm thinking of my own guy that who's, who to look out for this year, Larry Nance Jr. He is going to be looking for that long extension this year uh, with this team. He's going to try and display his playmaking ability as that guy who grabs and goes, makes plays for others. He's really been working on his perimeter shot. He's been working on his pick and pops. He can he, he can, can play. Knock down a jumper. He can then play. He's be very valuable. The only thing he needs to work on is to stop fouling so damn much. That's it. Okay. You heard it from Diesel Nut first, and we'll be sure to bring you back a little bit closer to the season. But as always, we appreciate your uh, professionalism, your insights, and expertise in that field and uh, more Cavs stuff to come. Thank you, Diesel. Thanks, Diesel Nut. All right, guys, I want to talk a little bit about the UFC fight. What you guys thinking about that McGregor-Habib bullshit? Yeah, so UFC, big matchup. 
highly anticipated. Very highly anticipated. Um, very long timeline going on with this fight from McGregor with the tour bus throwing shit at um, Habib, and it just kind of stems back. It gets political. There's a lot of moving parts to this feud. And even with McGregor returning, his relationship with uh, Dana White and just the from the press conference to everything, it's just been really weird, really awkward, highly anticipated. You know, McGregor getting back in the ring, and Habib has just been mowing through the UFC, like undefeated. And this is like, again, this fight was highly talked about. I couldn't wait to see it. And I guess I'll just kind of give my take first. I was kind of disappointed because – I was hoping McGregor would kind of come in here and be the notorious guy that everyone expected him to be. And Breezy, I know you're going to disagree with me, but I really think he got his ass whooped. I think Habib had a strategy, the Rocky Balboa strategy, to wear this guy down, to bring him on the mat, hold him down, take out his energy, and when the moment came along, whatever round it was, that he'd get McGregor on something. And he ended up tapping out. Tap, tap, tap And I don't think McGregor really – I mean, he had some signs of light, but – Habib, you know, he, he he stuck to, you know, what kept him in the UFC this long, and I think I think he whooped McGregor. You're not really wrong because Habib's plan was to wear down McGregor and then try to beat his ass. He actually came out and said his plan was to wear him down, get him on the ground, put his body weight on him. Then he wanted to actually stand up and knock his ass out while they were boxing because he wanted to beat McGregor at his own game just to, like, really say F you, you know what I mean? Okay. My take for the fight is I actually thought it was a great fight. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and you could tell it was just two guys who just absolutely despise each other. Neither one to give a single inch to the other competitor. Fuck like, you. Yeah. And when uh, Habib was on late, putting all of his body weight on McGregor, I actually thought McGregor was in an okay place because he was actually just chilling on the fence. He looked very calm and You might have thought. You no, might have thought. He, I might have thought. I seen it with my own eyes. He was wearing him down. Trust he's, me. He wasn't in a position trust where he me, was I chilling, thought dude. Habib, he was, I thought Habib was exerting more lo- energy than McGregor. Air. Habib was exerting more energy than McGregor, in my opinion. Because he was he was literally just sitting down on the fence, chilling. I, I get that, but I'm telling you, I'm he telling was, you, but I mean he didn't want to be in that squeezed, position. You can't breathe, dude. You're trying with all your energy to break it. Yeah. Trust me. And when you're squeezing someone, you're exerting just as much, no, if not, not more energy. No, yes, you're you, not. Okay. Agree to, to disagree. T- all right, fair. Moral of the story long story short, I thought when McGregor withstood that Habib push when he was absolutely just trying to pound the shit out of him. I honestly thought McGregor was doing a good job protecting himself. I know he was in a bad position on his back with Habib on top of him, but he was blocking most of those punches, and he wasn't really taking many to the face. And once he withstood that, I thought McGregor was going to come out in the third round and absolutely just take it to him. But as we saw, the fight didn't go as I anticipated. So let's talk about the end of this match and how this just panned out because this is going to lead into a couple quick topics. So obviously after the match ends, you know, you thought – you know, I didn't think they were going to hug or, you know, shake hands by any means. But usually they interview the guys in the ring. But no, the riot breaks out. Who wants to break this down? I mean, I, I know I didn't see the entire match. I was actually in the boons. But um, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of highlights. Uh, my take is that it wasn't set up at all. I think this was true b- bad blood. I mean, you saw, we all saw well, the well, main. Let's first say, so Habib hops out of the ring. There's a little riot breaks out. He goes after McGregor's trainer. Am I correct? Well, right. there's actually an angle that McGregor hit 
his trainer first. If you guys actually watch the angle, McGregor actually threw the first punch. Jeez, and then if you, you go 10 seconds before that, then you see that he was being antagonized yes. by that same trainer. Yes. So anybody, whoever's on whose side, you'll have preconceived well, notions, exactly. is going to be able to clip it the way they want to see Regardless it. Regardless of the fact, if you ever watch any UFC fight, this happens every single match. The trainers always talk shit. They chime in. This isn't anything new. We, it's not you don't see guys jumping over the octagon. No, but, say, but, but the new thing <laughs> yeah. is... You've, I've never seen anything so, like that. So I've seen them try to go after each other a little you're bit. You're telling me that's the point while McGregor was in the, the ring, he kind of jawed, maybe thrown something at the trainer who was in the ring as well, and then Habib went after McGregor's trainer who was in the crowd, and that's why he jumped out of the octagon. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. With all of that being said... He threw his mouthpiece. Gotcha. Okay. With so all that being a said... a Curry move. <laughs> this thing played out, looked like a scene from WWE. And going back to... The Stipe fight, when Stipe um, uh, fought Daniel Cormier, Brock Lesnar came in the ring. They're having a feud, and it was literally a chapter from Honestly, WWE. That like pissed that, me off more than that was Maybe WWF like, even. <laughs> yeah, that was the most scripted thing I saw after the Stipe fight. And then Cormier comes back out this week for this past fight. Back, I mean, I know Habib's on back the same Habib, team. Whatever, but. yeah, I get it. But that just looks scripted. And just like even the riot in the crowd, McGregor throwing his mouthpiece – Gentlemen, is the UFC taking shit out of WWE's book, or is it, I mean, is this scripted, or am I just overlooking this and it is as toxic as the situation may have seemed? Well, I think they see what WWE has become, see all the exposure it's getting, and they're just trying to promote their fights. And they think any little whatever, you know, any they, they'll use anything just to promote their own fight, promote their brand. And I think to some extent, I think you're right. They are kind of trying to set Who's some to of this stuff up. say that McGregor and Dana White months ago didn't plan him messing up the tour bus? Who's to say no, that's not that's, conspiracy? Okay. Uh-huh. Eh? Actually, no, here, I, I never thought about that before. No, here's my thoughts about it is that, yes, there's no doubt about it. As a business move, it's a no-brainer to, to make it more entertaining like that. I mean, you saw who's not Stipe. One of the greatest UFC fighters of all time. Not Shout many out. people. Not many people recognize him like Connor because he's not the guy that talks shit. He's not the guy that builds up the hypes like McGregor does. So they were loving when when Stipe lost. That was the best thing yes, UFC yes, could happen. You're a hundred percent correct. Yeah. So they do want to build the hype as they should. WWE's been around for so much longer the time than you know UFC has and become way bigger of a brand than they have. So they want to build it up. But going back to Junior's point. Do I think this was set up? I truthfully think this was bad blood. If not, this was the best acting because there were so many different angles that were shown from the crowd of so many different punches, so many different fights that like it had to have been the most scripted, like well put together plan of all time. And do you think that these guys are going to serve jail time no. for a show? Zero percent. No. no, they're not going to do that. But I will. I will say. I will say. That the Lesnar shit was oh it was one thousand percent scripted. Me and Jersey, it just makes you think a little yeah. bit. And maybe they, they tried. Think. Yeah, maybe they tried to set something up, but then it escalated and maybe, so yeah, much. Maybe they escalated and, and take it a little good bit. Good point. That's good what I'm point. Thinking. But you, there's no doubt. I don't. I don't know if any of you guys agree. If you watch all the angles, there's no way that that was acting. That was pure bad blood. And I'm so excited for round two. I think it's a combination Which of is all their goal. I, I think it's <laughs> their a mixture. Goal was. I think it's a mixture of everything. I don't care what you guys tell me. It was definitely a combination of both. Don't at me. All right. There's your little uh, UFC take for the day. Wow, we're fired up. It's unfortunately tribe time now, gentlemen. Fuck, We've been putting it damn. off. 
Uh, this is usually how we sound when we talk about the Browns, but um, unfortunately we just got our asses kicked and swept by the Houston Astros. A little role reversal for the Browns and Tribe. A little bit. You little hate bit. to see it. You hate to see it. You really do. So, I, for me, I, guys, I don't want to dwell on it. I mean, with baseball, it, it's who's hot, who's playing well, who shows up. I mean, I, I, I told Breezy shoot. earlier, we could play them a week from now and we could easily have swept them. I mean, it's just these teams are so close in talent level. It's unfortunate that they swept us and made it seem like they were giants and we were nobodies. But, I mean, that's just – it's the luck of baseball. I mean, it is what it is. Well, what it comes down to, I think they're just more battle-tested than us throughout the year. And I yeah. think that's just – our division kind of caught up to us, and I think that's the only thing I can really blame it on at this See, point. My biggest thing about this is that I thought that our second half, we just played so bad. I know we were playing down to our opponents, but I would say since June, it just didn't feel like the same team. You could say we're playing down to our opponents, but at no point should the Royals be beating us two out of three games. The Royals would never beat the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, teams like that. I just felt like, yes, we probably paid, played down to our opponents, but it just caught up to us. Yeah, it, I, it was I, almost like spring training going right to the to the playoffs. I 100% agree. And you know what? I, I kind of got fooled. I did because, I mean, you can't help what division you play in, but you got to play good in the division no matter what time of year it is. I mean, it, I don't care if, if you're bored, it, you know, it, all that stuff. It, it's going to come into play during the playoffs unfortunately and it happened because we underestimated the the defending world series champions period but here's one thing you got to think about as well is we can't blame it on the division because what happened last year we were the hottest team in baseball and we just blew it you know what i mean so it's not just oh we were playing bad before it there's other things that go along with it our no. bats for two straight playoffs have been I mean, non-existent at the end of the day we can't just we can't blame us for playing the schedule that we're assigned. Dude, I, I don't think it comes down to the schedule no, or being battle-tested. No. We had – I just don't – I think – You think look on paper us, and you though. look at these guys, they're still equal talent. I mean, both teams are very talented. It came down to who was hot at the time and who came – who See, showed that's, up. That's not true, though, because last year it was the same thing. We were the hottest team. So if you're going to say who was the hottest, there was no team in baseball that was hotter than the Indians. Except my biggest takeaway, the Yankees might have been hotter than the my Indians My biggest takeaway is not so much the Indians – it's the Astros. I think we all overlooked the Astros because we saw what the Red Sox were doing. We saw what other teams were doing. These guys were the World Series champs. They were getting put on afternoon games at 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Well, the Yankees are Red Sox. We just underestimated who the Astros were and maybe overestimated our talent, in I my disagree. opinion. And, and and to Matty Ice's point, I like like I said to you earlier about us underestimating the champs, I think a lot of people fell asleep on the Astros in the middle of the year because they had those huge injuries to Altuve and I think Correa was hurt. Those are huge, huge things that that, that happened and, and, and got guys like me thinking that, hey, the A's are gonna win the West and, and, and you know, Houston's kinda falling off here. Now that's not happening. The Astros are probably the best team in the postseason right now. Junior, can you please handle my slight work real quick? Well, first of all, when we broke down who I thought our biggest threats were a couple pods ago, I said it was going to be Houston when everyone was sleeping on them when they had a couple guys hurt. I'll toot my own horn later. But I do want to say we did not underestimate Houston. We realized that they had a great starting pitching, great hitters. They're the defending fucking champs. Agreed. It's Major League Baseball. And you could say, yeah, we were the hottest team last year, but the streak ended and we went back to reality. It, it's, it's just playing your game at the right time. And we showed up. We got awkward times in Houston and their time zone. I think if we would have started this series in Cleveland in our ballpark and not their 
you know, wall that's 250 feet away in left field, I think it would have been a different start to the series. But it was just a perfect storm. Our guys didn't show up at the end of the day. They lost to themselves. I don't think they lost to the Houston Astros. And that's why you take the regular se- season seriously, which I don't think the Indians did, is because you want that home field advantage. I'll agree with that. I think we would have lost regardless. I really do. I think we lost to ourselves, not to Houston Astros. Granted, I mean, all I'm saying is looking forward to next year, we are arguably going to have the best starting rotation going into baseball. First time in Major League history, you have four starters with 200-plus strikeouts. You know, you can have arguably four Cy Young candidates. I mean, Clevenger's coming along. This dude would be an ace in many other rotations. Um, and then Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber poised to be, you know, an excellent pitcher as well next season. So I think there's nothing but optimism looking forward to next year. I'm ready to cut the cord with Allen and uh, Andrew Miller. Both getting old, uh, Miller battling injury. He's probably not worth the price tag. Cody Allen, I think it's just time to, to move on from him. You have your closer in Brad Hand. Build a bullpen around him, maybe bring in some younger arms. And then you got your young core with Frankie and Joe Ram. You got Edwin under contract for a year. You got some exciting pieces, and it all comes down to pitching. And I think if we could bring in some more bullpen help, uh, again, our, our, our start, their starters beat our starters, and I think we lost for ourselves. There's before. a ton of optimism for next year. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And that's, that's what I want to leave. Yeah. Every, uh, that's what I want to leave. It the Cleveland sucks. faithful, yeah. the always cloudy faithful. It's something to look forward to next year. It we sucks. still got the core. We yeah. still got our core, and that's all we need to be successful next year. All right. Tribe time now is officially over. Uh want to give a shout-out to the Chief Wahoo. Um, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm that guy. I'm sorry to see it go, but, it, I mean, it is what it is. Long live the Chief. This upcoming Sunday, the Los Angeles Chargers come to First Energy Stadium. Phillip Rivers. Melvin Gordon. Okay. Okay. Joey Bosa. Who's probably not going to play because he's hurt. So is his brother Nick. True story. You hate to see it, Bosa family. Familia, you really do. You hate to see it. Uh, well, I'm going to chime right in then if we're talking Chargers. Honestly. Hey, just like some bells. Just chime, baby. This might be a tough matchup for the Browns. Yeah. Well, you I, might say it might be tough, but they remind me a lot of the Pittsburgh Squealers. They do in a way, but they remind me of the Pittsburgh Squealers when they have Le'Veon Bell healthy and playing up to his standard because they got two running backs that can – light it up, and do a lot of damage to our defense because we have struggled against the run. We have struggled with the check down plays to the running backs. Easy, quick question. Two years ago, how many wins did we have? I can count on one hand. Let's just how many wins do we have two you years ago? You can count ago. on one finger. <laughs> Breezy, how many years ago do we have? How many wins do we have two years ago? Scott, it was Christmas Eve. I was there with you. Who did we play? The Chargers. Who is the quarterback? <laughs> RG3. Who is their quarterback? <laughs> Who are their running backs? Not Eckler. I think Melvin Gordon was actually out. And Melvin Gordon. I don't. I don't recall. I was. I'm just saying. I was blackout drunk in the crowd. So much better. They got the same quarterback. We got the Bake Show. Yeah, but they also had zero. Their receiving staff was hurt like every other year, and this year they're actually kind of okay. So uh, they're a pretty legit team. They really are. Their defense is pretty good. I'm actually scared. Somebody give Diesel another microphone, will you? Well, Young. you know who one guy you're not talking about is Casey Hayward, their corner. He has literally the surprise of the year. Last year. literally loves every single one of these players. No, you, talking about. seriously, he's the most under talked about corner in the league, and it's going to be the, the my favorite matchup. It would be Bosa, but it's going to be Casey Hayward versus the Bake Show. See, to me, I think that everyone thinks just because Joey Bosa's out that they don't have a pass rush. There's a guy named Melvin Ingram that's freaking awesome, and they also have a lot of good D tackles. We're giving them the benefit of the doubt on their run game versus our run defense. Uh, coming to our secondary, 
our pass defense. Who you give them the nod to? What the call it a wash for the I, sake of I, argument? See, I, don't, I don't know what to call it because Philip Rivers is so good. I, he likes to sling it at times, like Joe Flacco, but he has the ability to chuck down. Like I think ben everyone, everyone's going to try to check down on us. No one's going to try to sling it. And I think we're okay with that. I think that's what Greg Williams wants. So to do. if they you can conserve that. that, hold them to field goals, and you know whatever, it's a passing game, not a running game. I'll let them beat us up a little bit. Do you think breezy? Do you think that our defense has enough to? conserve their offense and do you trust Baker enough to beat the lack chargers do I think our defense can do it a hundred percent but will they do that that's a whole different question I mean it depends are we seeing the defense versus the Raiders or the defense versus the Ravens you know what I mean it just depends which defense have you seen more of this year the ones with the Raiders or the ones versus the Ravens I've seen more of the Ravens and that that bodes well for us optimism.com backslash what's your prediction <sighs> I'm going with my brownies, dude. I'm riding with Baker. It's the Bake Show. I think this one's going to be an absolute shootout, though. We're talking about wow. how we both have good defenses. I think it's just going to be Oaken Raider fashion. I think we're both going to put up points. Browns, 34. Charges, 30. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a bold prediction. The diesel nut? Take the over. Take the over. As he's saying, they're talking about the defenses. The Browns just barely put up 12 points on on a great Ravens defense. Don't get me wrong. Top five. But, but, I mean, their offense is going to be more reminiscent of what what happened in Oakland. And uh, I I think that the Bake Show just keeps on rolling. Um, I think that the Browns established their first winning streak since I have no idea when. It's been a long time since we've won two in a row. The Hoyer days. It might have been the Hoyer days, probably 2014. Um, I'm going to go 38-35. Wow. Brownies. A lot of points going around. Big surprise here. I'm actually going to the opposite of everybody else. I do think the Brownies are going to win this game. Um, just a quick stat, obviously the stat guy. Chargers the last, obviously, five games, 28-31, 23-29, 26. They haven't played a defense like the Browns. I'm thinking that we are going to step it up just like we did versus the Ravens. I'm going to take the under on it. I'm going to go with Browns uh, 17, Chargers 13. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, um, but I do think the Brownies are going to pull it off. Ice taking the under, I see. All right, I guess that leaves me. What you got, Uh, Junior? What you got? That's what I got. I think it's going to be another close game. I mean, the same story – you know, different week for the Browns. Everything's been close. Nothing's given in Northeastern Ohio, right? We got to work for it. I think it's going to come down to the wire. Um, I think the Browns are going to score three times. And I think Greg the Leg Joseph is going to miss an extra point. So I think we're going to have 20. And then I think we're going to contain Phillip Rivers enough. I think they might run the ball on us and have some of those short passing. Um, but we've been holding Hall of Famer quarterbacks all year. Um, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks all year, making them look pedestrian. I think we're going to continue that trend with Phillip, and I think they might run on us, but I'll give them that, and I'm going to give them 17 points. I'm going to go Browns 20, Chargers 17 in the close game. So, gentlemen, are we all in agreement? Three, two, and one. Oh, shit. Three, two, and one. Three, two, one. And it's time for What Grinds Your Gears. All right, I guess I'll start this one off. Um, so I want to talk about when you 
so we're all at that age. We go out a lot. We go to the bars. We meet mutual friends of mutual friends of mutual friends. You're constantly running into people at places, sporting events, bars, the store, whatever. Intramural sports. So I want to talk about when you meet somebody of a friend. You meet them one time. Maybe you're drunk the first time. You introduce oh. yourself, right? And then, okay, maybe you have a, a volleyball game. And that friend comes to the game and plays on your team. You say hello to them. And you're like, oh, shit, they might have been drunk. They might not remember me when we first met. So you introduce yourself again. Give them the benefit of the doubt. By that third time, you run to that person again, and they introduce themselves and act like they've never seen you before. I hate, and it grinds my gears, when you've met somebody three times, five times, seven times, and they have no clue who the fuck you are. Like, are they purposely being rude or, like, are they trying to be, like, Dude. cool, like, oh, I don't know who you are. I'll introduce myself, but they really know who you are, but they're trying to pull, like, the arrogant card? Or are they actually just oh, dumb that. thoughts? I, thoughts? I'm just actually going to piggyback we right off the bat. all know those people, though. I mean, yeah. it, I hate it. Let me piggyback right off the bat because, unfortunately, I am those people. <laughs> <laughs> what grinds my gears is when someone comes up to you and thinks they know you, which they probably do, but you have no clue who they are. This happens to me more than you think. Like, and it's not because I'm trying to be that ignorant asshole. It's just for the other, when I say it, for the I mean, other I talk about the elephant in the room. Dude, I'm a big everybody dude. knows yeah, who you are, though. You're, you're, you're very, very easily recognizable. I walk into the bar, I look like every other basic white guy. You know what I mean? You, know, you no, have you're many, now. You have long hair down to your shoulders. You're I, six foot five. I mean, you you have yeah. But the thing is, it's not like people say come breezy, up to me dude. saying, "Yo, what's up, dude?" It's just like, "Hey, breezy." Slash my real first name, which I'm not going to reveal for obvious reasons. Good to see you. I'm just like, oh my God. Hey, how's it going? And I'm looking around like, is anyone who the fuck this is? Like, I'm so confused right now. And then the worst is when they just don't say hi is when they try to have like a nice little long running conversation with you. And you're just like nodding your head, like going with it. It's like, God, please give me an insight. Your, your name is. I hope one of my buddies is standing by me so I can do one of those awkward. Hey, hey you ever met my buddy? Uh, you ever met my buddy, young Dave? And then he's like, oh, I never met Dave. Yo, what's up? My name is, my name's Kurt. My name's E. Kurt. Call me E. Kurt. But yeah, so sorry to be that guy. But what really grinds my gears is when you come up and talk to me and you don't know me. So you're a face guy then? A face guy instead of a name guy? No, they know my name most of the time. I'm just. The in the other way. The other oh, way. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Doors locked. Um, dude, honestly, I see a lot of familiar faces in my life. And I'm, I'm not bad with knowing names. It's just. I don't know. I feel like people just know me and I don't know them. I guess it sucks being popular sometimes. Quick one for me. Not too long of a story. Uh, just what grinds my gears. When I take an Uber and they take you the longest possible route to get the money out of you. Right. Price gouging. You hate to see yeah, it. Yeah, it's horrible. Next last nickel and dimes. Yeah, and to wrap up the grind your gears, I'm going to wrap up with a story that just happened to me. So... Um, my hair grows like rapid fire, right? I need to get haircuts all the time. Um, what grinds my gears is I actually started to go to a new barber um, about a month ago. About a week ago. I walk in, remind you guys, I work about 60 hours a week. So when I get off work for about an hour, an hour and a half, it's like nobody wants to talk to me. You know, my girlfriend knows this. My roommate knows this. My family knows this. Shout out to the girl. About an hour after work, I'm untalkable. So I get to the barbershop. I'm not going to tell you what barbershop or what the guy's name is, but I sit down 
And this guy just starts talking my ear off. And I'm trying to make it as obvious as possible as I'm not talking back. He's talking to himself at this point. All of a sudden, this guy starts talking about anal to me. With obviously with girls, but like <laughs> I'm sitting hey, there like I've never obvious reasons. this, wait, wait, this isn't obvious, like one though? of my normal barbers like where we talk about girls and stuff like that. This is a first time customer and this guy's talking about anal. This guy's just talking to himself. I'm not responding whatsoever. And then the worst part about it comes he answers his cell phone in the middle of my haircut. No. And he forgot to make his mortgage payment. So he starts talking to this guy about not being able to make his bills on time. I've never I can't see the back of my head. I have no clue what's going on if I'm gonna come out with a mullet. So I Mullet Maddie Ice. <laughs> basically what grinds my gear is when the barber doesn't know the etiquette. If the you know, customer is not talking back, then just cut the hair and get it over with. Know your you know audience. I mean? Know your audience. Know your audience. Know who you're working hey, with. Know your role, bro. Hey. And don't talk about anal. Maddie don't prisoner talk about of anal. the moment. Us. And that's what grind my gears. Butt stuff, yeah. And for that reason, that's why it's always cloudy in Cleveland. <laughs>